We're here tonight. Um, I'm Andy, by the way. That's Spence. Hello. And I think we normally, we've tended to tread fairly familiar ground, I think, on the podcast. Yes. Tonight, the th- I've had a sort of an epiphany, in a way, about okay. you, that you reach certain points in your life. And the one that I think I, I, I'm choosing to embrace at the moment is something I like to call midlife crisis. <laughs> In 1999, a slightly disturbing young man declared that we are soldiers of hell. We are neither soldiers nor from hell, but like obedient little sleeper agents, we have gradually recruited people from popular culture to create a military force to be reckoned with. Each episode, we'll be nominating someone new to join our ranks. This evening, I'm spending my time very enjoyably creating this podcast with yourself. My wife is working tonight, so I could have spent the night, you know, seeing friends or um, not, not that you want a friend. It's just that I can't see you uh, <laughs> or, you know, going to the pub or doing something that I suppose many people will consider a bit more exciting or fun. What, than talking to me? No, but <laughs> yeah, yes, but it's not worked out like that. It's turned out, you know, I've come home. I've got to pick the kids up, get them to bed. Once in bed, get them to sleep. Because getting them to bed and getting them to sleep are two very different feats. And then sort of like, you know, get some food, probably just have a quick tidy up of of the house and so on. And then the portion of your evening given over to pure self-indulgence becomes sort of a bonus section at the end of the night. It's, it's like a race against the clock almost. So it's it's that sort of thing that struck me really. And I don't know if you find the same thing. Absolutely. My initial plan was get the kids to bed, grab a bit of food, do some podcasting, and then switch on the Xbox for a bit and, and play some games, which is something I used to do all the time. Probably too much, if I'm being brutally honest. But it's nice to do it every now and then and just revisit those sort of halcyon days. Well, it's funny you say that because I, I'm, I'm definitely on the same page as you. Yeah, it is a race against time. We're both parents of kids at similar ages. And I speak to friends who haven't got kids, you know, maybe work colleagues and say, what did you get up to last night? They'll have been watched half a series of a TV show or something like that because they've literally put it on the moment they've walked in the door. And and then I'll go like, oh, I'm so knackered by the time the kids are in bed, I managed a half an hour episode and then went to bed myself. It's just like completely different. And I also, I find that the sort of thing I want to watch as well, I can't be bothered to get emotionally invested in something that's going to be thought-provoking or challenging on a sort of an emotional or an intellectual level. I just want to yes. watch through the keyhole. <laughs> Neither can I be bothered to, like commit to something that's 24 episodes long anymore i don't want to spend an entire month watching the same thing it becomes too much of a routine even though we can binge watch i just don't so like binging is protracted over the space of several weeks and therefore it's not as enjoyable and it's it's that thing of okay i know I want to watch this to the end, but there's going to be, you know, two weeks potentially between me being able to watch two episodes. So I like to watch things that are fairly self-contained, really. I'm just doing a check that they're asleep. Oh, okay. You don't need to whisper. I want to. (laughs) This is just a a nice insight into exactly what you were talking about. Yeah, precisely. This is part of the whole thing, isn't it? It's the, 
obviously get them to bed, make them stay in bed, check that they're still in bed. <laughs> that checks out. They're, they're cool. Good. They're asleep. They're, they're fast off, I think. I hope. Otherwise, they're very good actresses. <laughs> Hopefully both. I, uh, at danger of drifting into DC territory again, I, having only ever watched the first two series of Arrow, realised it was on Prime and therefore decided to start to watch Series 3 about four years after I watched the last series. And I managed one episode. But Arrow is a very good example of that sort of level of commitment taken to the max because it's not just Arrow, is it? But then to fully appreciate Arrow, you need to watch Flash and Supergirl and Legends of Tomorrow. Yeah. In this sort of race for everything being joined up, that's that's great. But I don't need or want everything to be like that. It's too much. It's too much. Right. I'm, I'm going to put an end to that, though. <laughs> because I said Arrow. and It sent us down familiar territory again. So anyway, we're both in that kind of parental zone where everything takes over. But are you finding a go on the Xbox? Well, this is going to sort of send us almost back on onto that track again. But I have the last, I'd say, week and a half, I've been playing it a lot more. And by a lot more, it's like I've almost finished a game in the space of a week and a half, which is something I haven't oh. done for about, or oh, I haven't finished a game so for about five years. Is this where you say it was Arkham City or something? <laughs> Yes, exactly that. I'll try and I'll try and only use that as a peripheral detail. <laughs> I was playing um, a game, uh, GTA Five, and I bought okay. it. It came out at release for my Xbox, and at the risk of probably disgruntling a lot of people, I just don't like it a huge amount. I just, I know technically it's a good achievement and all that, and I just don't know why. And I, maybe it's a problem with me. Is I just don't really connect with it and i much preferred the previous game and that's i think playing it has become a bit of a chore my stubbornness wanted to finish it yes but then i thought mm, do i play the xbox and spend time playing the game that actually i'm not really enjoying that much or do i do something else i enjoy do i go and read a book or just cook something nice and spend my time doing that and then I've heard people banging on about Arkham Asylum and how great it is. And I thought, you know what? I really don't know why I haven't played this game with my interests. So I put, yeah. up a second-hand copy. It was like three quid or something. It nails Batman and the feeling of being Batman in a way that I really didn't think that a game could. So, yeah, I've just at any spare time, it's sort of that's been my go-to, even if it's just been, you know, 10 minutes yeah and i was like 85 percent of the way through the game in about a week it's, it's funny you say that because a couple of months ago i got um arkham city for the pc five years since that came out or something like that and i'd never played any of those games at all and like you say like you know with our mutual interest you'd think it's something we would have lapped up i spotted it on a sale on steam it was like three pound fifty or something i thought okay I can't not give that a go. Now, I haven't completed it. I guess, just like everything, things take over. I would consider myself more of a, a casual gamer than someone who's going to commit to a full game. But 
But having said that, I have found myself committing to a full game recently. Another game that I'm very late to the party on, I don't ever seem to play things when they come out on release, is Firewatch. Have you heard of that or seen that? Name rings a bell. I'll send you a trailer to it. It's really straightforward, and it, uh, I suppose it plays into my capabilities because it requires very little skill other than the ability to read a map. You're basically a, um, a national park warden in America in the 1980s. The, the majority of the time, you just spend hiking around the national park, and you just got to look out for fires and stuff, and you communicate with your boss via walkie-talkie but the way the game starts it builds you a backstory so you really understand your character and why you're there and then as the communication with your boss at various different times you'll just be doing you know you'll just be hiking somewhere and then she'll just say something to you and maybe ask you a question and you can respond in different ways which i believe sends the story in different paths but ultimately it leads to a mystery and it's brilliant because I find it extremely relaxing because visually it's stunning and it's got a really chilled out soundtrack and you don't really do much other than just walk around and listen and look at nature and stuff. But there is enough story just when your attention's starting to wane, it drips a bit more story into what is essentially a walking simulator just to hook you back in. That sounds like a really interesting idea. I really like it. Like I say, I'm not particularly skilled at games and I've always found like the simpler the game, the better for my attention span, really, if I have to master too many controls. With the exception of something like GoldenEye, which is probably the, the original first-person shooter, isn't it? Other than that, I've never really kind of got into games like Halo or stuff like that. But this is just, yeah, right up my street. It almost sounds like the setup to a TV series as well. Park Warden doing his business, stumbles across mystery. <laughs> Does a Park Warden shit in the woods? <laughs> it depends. <laughs> Your good gaming story is the opposite of, of my bad one in that, as I said, I got 85%-ish through the story of Arkham Asylum, turned it on, and the save file had disappeared. Oh, no. Nightmare. It is. And I, I know what I did, and it's a schoolboy error. I turned the console off during an auto save, so it corrupted the save file. So I'm, play I'm playing through it again. I'm determined to. I want to finish it, so I'm playing through it again. The one benefit of it is because I sort of know what I'm doing on those sections, I'm, I'm going through it a lot quicker than I did the first time. So it's not going to be a slog in the way that it could have been. <laughs> to sort of come back again sort of on this idea of the, the things that you enjoy, the things you spend my money on, obviously, you know, over your life that changes and, you know, what you used to spend on penny sweets and skiffle records, you buy on... <laughs> <laughs> spend on the bills but tonight i made a purchase and i stopped on the way home and i suppose again i thought oh on the way home i'll stop off and uh no one knows i'll i'll make a cheeky purchase no one will know you know i bought i bought a socket set <laughs> a <laughs> cheeky I'm, cheeky socket set and this and I, I am genuinely excited that I've now got one of those, it's a screwdriver, but it's one of them ones that you can alter the angle of it, and it's got all different attachments and stuff. I feel a little bit the way about this bloody screwdriver set. The way I used to feel when I got a new game, it's like there's a new toy to play with. Oh, God. <laughs> 
And for my birthday, not last year, but the year before, I asked that I wanted, can you please get somebody to get me an electric screwdriver? Oh, amazing. Love it. One of the best, genuinely one of the best birthday presents I think I've ever <laughs> What console is the best that you got for a birthday? You know, that is a big question. But I suppose in terms of gifts, the day I opened my first NES. Was that your first ever console? Um... Yes, I had a computer before that. I had an Amstrad CPC 464 um, that I got for Christmas, and it came in two boxes, each about the size of a washing machine. <laughs> in the first box was the monitor when I opened the monitor because I thought I'd got a telly. And then I opened the computer portion of it, and I was like, what is this? I don't understand. And then obviously I, I clicked a little bit. I'd not asked for it, and I don't even know really why it occurred to someone to get it for me. I think I probably just asked for Castle School the year before. Yeah. yeah got the NES, I think I'd always wanted a Mega Drive, and I really ummed and for ages over which to get. And I remember that very distinctly there was a TV programme, it was called the Children's Channel, on a very early version of Sky, and there was a programme called the M- Super Mario Challenge, and, right. and they got two guys dressed up as Mario and Luigi, and they got kids on, and they had little challenges where they played um, Super Mario Brothers, the original Super Mario Brothers to each other. Just watching that, I was just absolutely enthralled. I couldn't believe how good it looked. And in the end, that program was what swayed me to get in a NES over a Mega Drive. It's a different generation, though, isn't it? Crazy to think like that. Yeah. And then I woke up the Christmas morning, went downstairs. When I opened my NES, I, just, I knew sort of that's what I was getting. But then to actually see the box and open it, it's, oh, God, that feeling was, it's, it's almost indescribable. That's how I felt about the Mega Drive. And like in a similar way to your Amstrad, I got an Atari XE. And that was my first ever thing that I had that I could call my own, that I could play games on or, or whatever. I got that for one Christmas and I wasn't expecting it and it kind of came out of nowhere and I loved it. But then when I got the Mega Drive, I was expecting a Master System and it absolutely blew my mind. I booted up Sonic which came with it, and it went, Sega! And it's just like, this is another level. <laughs> I still do that going around the house. If something has those has two syllables, <laughs> and I can make it sound like that, I will go and say it in that sort of Sega way. I ultimately, I didn't really keep the nest that long. I think I kept it for maybe six months to a year at the most, yeah. and then I sold it and, uh, and got a Mega Drive. I don't want... Well, I suppose we're sounding a little bit like so we just put a bit of tin foil around a steak and kidney pie. Rock and roll. It might sound a little bit weird to kids today because I think graphics have got to a point where the, the, the increases are incremental. Yeah. And as, as weird as it sounds, your eyes can only see so much. Yeah. So from 16 to 32 bit, your power, your graphics, your sound, that's the sort of leap in a generation that you don't really get anymore in fact generations are in some ways they're a nonsense now aren't they because you've got you know the ps4 or the xbox one are trying to do that we'll be as powerful as we can be and we'll have the best graphics and you know it'll look and be amazing and it'll be cinematic and all that kind of stuff and it sort of really plays into your first person shooter type territory doesn't it and then on the other hand, you've got Nintendo, who know their niche, which is family gaming, colourful sprites, something about their system which differs in how you use it and hooks you in in a completely different way. 
but from a technology point of view, is not on the same level. And they, they've kind of made their niche that way. What I find strange now is that Atari are bringing out a new console, aren't they? Have you see this? Uh, somebody said, is it, they're doing an updated version of the Jaguar, is it? No, well, I don't think anyone truly knows what it is. It's called, it's called the Atari Box, and there are pictures of it online, and there's little teaser trailers that Atari have released. It look, I mean, it looks really cool. They've kind of gone for that 2600 wooden effect, but black plastic with the classic logo. And they've, if you have a look at the picture of the joystick, it looks like the original Atari joystick with the, the square base and they're just the one stick and the one button, but they've, they've modernised it. Right. Um, and that, that looks really cool. But from a, what the games will be like point of view and how much it's going to cost, I have absolutely no idea. I mean, they're talking about it will come with lots of retro games in the box so i guess they'll have all their original arcade and you can't imagine that they'll be able to compete with the ps4 or the xbox so it can't just be about retro what's going to be their selling point i'm not i don't don't think anyone really knows and i think maybe it's gone to a point where just playing games isn't the, I suppose the interactivity level is going up overall isn't it vr is becoming increasingly possible and yeah i've seen adverts for that jedi training or something it's becoming a very realistic and viable prospect at a reasonable price and i think that's the key basically if you want to be the lawnmower man now you can yeah i don't know who would want to but you can Talking about Nintendo Switch, have you seen Nintendo Labo? I think it's called. Yeah, I wasn't. I was not sure if it's Labo or Labo, but it must be Labo, surely. Yeah, I imagine people uh, have the same conversation about how to pronounce Labo M or Laboem. You know, it's that sort of highbrow. <laughs> <laughs> I find it weird that in that someone has thought I know what the next generation of uh, of computer games interactivity is: cardboard. <laughs> but you know what? I kind of want one. It looks really cool. And yeah. I, sort, I like the sort of, not retro, but because it's cardboard, it's almost a vintage quality rather than just retro. And I think that's really a really good idea. And in some ways, I think that's a good way, more so than just having a good, a, a sort of a graphically impressive shooter game, to hook kids into the idea of developing and technology and things. Because they're actually saying, well, this is what I can do. This is, I'm physically making this and doing it and then seeing it work. Yeah, it does look good. I'd kind of like to get a Switch just for the kids, but I don't think I will. I think it's strange because I tend to, when I'm playing games, I play them on a PC. I've recently been getting into emulation. So I've been going back through like the classic 16-bit era and playing some of the games that I've had on the Mega Drive or whatever, which is, you know, that's fun. You can lose lose half an hour here, half an hour there, and it kind of fits in with the lifestyle now. It's like you don't have a lot of time, so when you do, play something you enjoy, not battle on with something that you, you can't be bothered with just because it looks better. GTA Five. Yeah, exactly. The girls have got uh, an original Wii, and... To be honest, I've not played it much recently because I haven't had any new games for it because Nintendo have stopped making games for it. 
but you can still pick them up in second-hand places. But I've noticed when I've gone into places that still stock the games that they're going up in price. And I had a look online and, you know, on eBay or whatnot, they're actually more expensive now than they were a year ago. And I thought, well, surely, I know it's an old console, and I know Nintendo brought out two since that console, but still, it doesn't feel old enough for it to have crossed into retro territory. Like, if you want to get Mario Kart for the Wii, it's 20 quid. If you want to get, well, anything, anything premium, like a Mario based game is 20 quid or more so now if i'm seeing them in charity shops i'm going to start hoovering them up because it, we're, we're reaching that point where actually they're in that lucrative retro gaming market which is just booming right now isn't it mm. we've got a wii as well and my my sister-in-law fiance has got a switch and i've had a go on it and the versatility of the console is amazing I was dubious. You see the ads of play it this way, play it that way, play it as a handheld. But it, it really does work that easily. Like he brought it, um, went to the pub for a drink and one afternoon and the girls were there and he had it. So the centre bit that detaches that and he had the handles on each side. But then he took the handle, the controller bits off, used the little stand thing on the back of the screen, stood it on the table. What had been either side of the control for him was put horizontally and now became two controllers and the girls were playing Mario Kart. Brilliant. And, you know, they loved it. So much so that I've dug out my old copy of Mario Kart, which I'm now definitely going to keep hold of for the yeah. week. And they've had a go on that. And it's great. Do you still have all your... Because um, you collected consoles, I did. didn't you? I, so I have still got them. Funnily enough, yesterday or the day before, and I went through... when I, I didn't get rid of any games anything i got i kept and now with the benefit of hindsight i can sort of look back at the collection i've got and i went through and, and there was like five or six that i thought i played them it was all right it's not a classic no one even thinks about that game anymore and i traded them in and got um arkham city for free in essence Brilliant. so i'm looking yeah. forward to playing that once i've replayed in a way but arkham asylum um but yeah i've still got them all and they're, they're up in the loft at the minute just sort of waiting for me to have a spare room again <laughs> that's, that's, yeah. got, that's got room enough for me to have them have them out because it's and it's, it's brilliant that you've still got them all because because they are so collectible now and the, the prices of some of the stuff is ridiculous i've gone through like, phases of thinking shall i get rid of them shall i not i don't play them anymore i'll just trade them all in but i just yeah, I'm so glad I've kept hold of them. I'm definitely keeping our Wii. Even if we upgraded to something like a Switch, I'm definitely keeping it because essentially it's their first console and I've still got my original Atari and your first machine, I think, always just has a, a place in your heart, doesn't it? Yeah, it definitely does. I've got very specific memories of playing on that Amstrad and it's weird. It's the, I sort of went through phases with it as well when i got it i played it i had because i moved bedrooms over the course of when i had it and i must have got it when i was about seven or eight something like that maybe even a little bit older and then i sort of put it to one side and never really touched it but then i started getting some games again um probably about two years later probably by this time the amstrad would have been obsolete there was a game shop in town centre called Intertu or Intoto. I was never sure how to <laughs> Laboem, Laboem. And <laughs> I remember get, I got a few games then and started playing it a lot more than I ever had before. 
and I spent a significant proportion of my pocket money on getting a, I think it was called a Python joystick. Oh, yeah, I remember them. Yeah. And joy, just joysticks, just a choice of joysticks. It's a weird idea that you could, you bought your joystick independently of the computer, console, whatever. And when I bought that, it was like, no, nah, now I'm going to finish some games. Glorious. I've got a really specific sort of, it, it's weird how the, the memory makes me feel again. Of, do you remember Dizzy? Oh, yeah. The egg. Yeah. Well, we got the first Dizzy for the Amstrad. And it was quite difficult, really, because you had to be very precise with it. Probably about eight or nine, trying to get to sleep. And I could hear my two older brothers playing Dizzy in their room on the Amstrad, desperately trying to finish it. And it's like, at the time, they must have been 18, 19. Because if I'd have have been nine, they'd have been 19 and 25, respectively. And to live in a time when play a one-player game together... And that be enough instead of having multiplayer or anything like that. It seems crazy. But it's brilliant. Yeah. It is brilliant. Like you say, very specific memories. I got I got my Atari out last summer and let the girls play on it. And they actually enjoyed it. Because the games are so easy to pick up, aren't they? And just really straightforward. But going back to Dizzy, the last ever Dizzy game ever made, made for the Amiga was not actually accepted. Was it Codemasters that, yeah. that did? So there were two brothers that wrote all the Dizzy games, and the last one they ever made, Codemasters didn't want to release for whatever reason. And then these guys found the original game that they coded on a floppy disk a few years ago, and they repurposed that code and made it available as a game you can play online. I had a go at it last year, and it's just some of the subtleties, like, you just forget, like... Games of that generation, when you scrolled off the screen, it was an entire screen break, wasn't it? If you walked left to yeah. right, as you got as far as you could, then it just flashed and you were on the left again on another screen. It was really weird. And it was quite hard to get my head around it. Good days. I do like retro games. I like the games that they're sort of bringing out nowadays that sort of tap into how you felt back then, but that actually new titles. There's one that's in my collection that I haven't tried yet, which is Super Meat Boy. Yeah, I've, I think I've played it a little bit, and it looks incredibly difficult when you get to like the harder levels. Yeah, I haven't tried it yet, but I'm looking forward to that one. There's, there's a game called Monument Valley that I got. It's, like a, it's a very basic puzzle game. It's sort of get person A to door B, and it's in a sort of geometric 3D world and manipulate certain things and step on switches. And I loved it. But Evie has played it, and she loves it as well. And it's, yeah. I think, actually, no, I like her playing this because it's developing that problem-solving, look-at-things-from-different-angles part of her brain. And, and she absolutely loved it. And I found out last night that there's a sequel that I didn't know about, so I've had a bit of credit on the old... Uh, on the tablet, so I downloaded it. <laughs> Apparently, when she found out she had this uh, puzzle game now, she was like super massively excited this morning to start playing it again. It's good. And maybe that's the niche, going back to Atari briefly, that's the niche that they need to tap into. It doesn't have to have the best graphics, and it doesn't have to have a gimmicky control system. But ultimately, if it's playable, and it and it has lots of cool games that, you know, that are different to other platforms, then then that's the way to go, isn't it? Yeah.
It's time for a rank. What shall we call this feature? The soldiers of hell rank off. Come rank with me. Strictly come ranking. Maybe just a load of rank. So, I think we should uh, wrap up our uh, chat so that you can actually go and finish or restart <laughs> Arkham Asylum. Yeah. Who is our soldier of the episode? Well, I think, for me, to tie up the two subjects fairly nicely, gaming and the dadliness, I'm going to put forward someone, for me, sort of represents the father, in a way, of modern gaming, and certainly of my modern gaming. It's not, I was going to say it's not a nerdy pick, but it's a very nerdy pick. In fact, maybe it's too nerdy. I'm going to suggest Shigeru Miyamoto. the man. Is he the guy who invented Sonic? The guy who invented Mario. Um, that's when he'll punch you in the chops. Yeah. Or he'll just jump really high and land on your head. <laughs> and the toadstool will pop out. Coin. Yeah, it marries up the two things. And um, I just think it, it's a nice pick for the week. Excellent. Well, so um, can I propose a new ranking structure? Yeah. It's been getting harder and harder, I think, to think about well, what, what military rank should someone be. We've either invented ranks or picked something that's probably inconsistent. What about ranking people based on which chess piece they should be? And every chess piece was meant to be a soldier of hell, according to the, the kid that shouted it, right? Yeah, I like the idea of that. And I suppose if someone else comes up that's more suitable, we can move around the allocations. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. Okay. Maybe someone should help us make a computer game that's part chess, part action, part celebrity deathmatch. <laughs> <laughs> so what's your rank? A knight, because the the shape they move is sort of like the blocks in Tetris. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Um, Love it. Cool. If you're listening to the Soldier of Hell episode and you're liking it, then don't forget to subscribe, uh, either on iTunes or Stitcher or TuneIn. Why don't you ask your echo to play us in future i won't say the a word otherwise you'll get stuck in a vicious loop yeah drop us a, a tweet T- yes we're on twitter yes tweeters at soh underscore podcast good all right mate i'll see you next time Cheers. bye soldiers of hell is a fosgate studios production if you enjoyed it please like subscribe comment and share 